Welcome to the quarter to three podcast for the week of, we'll say, hmm, the ninth or tenth of September, uh, the first third. No, of no, way, whoa, way after that because we had all the nine eleven memorial stuff. It's at least the thirteenth. Well, right. I mean, today, you know, sure, but I was just saying the week off. So it oh, would be my like, bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, see, what was it today? So, so then. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Maybe nine nine was was a. I see. No, uh, you were doing you were doing some McMaster math. No. That, that the was... week of nine ten nine okay, ten. Uh, so the first third, like I said, somewhere around in there of uh, of September. Uh, and I am Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not you don't know Jack. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Dead Rising. Oh, well. Is, does that have something to do with uh, with all the Wii U announcements today? Oh, you know what? Somehow it, tangentially. <laughs> it actually relates uh, in two different ways to things that we will talk about later. So yes. yes. <laughs> now wait a minute. So then, does your you don't know Jack have anything to do with anything? No, not really. I was uh, <laughs> I was just looking uh, looking uh, around. Uh, I, there's a movie you don't know Jack as well as the game, and it's just kind of this weird. Uh, is it like the Resident Evil movie based on the Resident Evil game? Because that starts this weekend, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, a friend of mine is really into those for some reason. Um, no, it's a, it's an Al Pacino joint. It was, uh, for some oh. reason, Al Pacino is uh, is Jack uh, Kervorkian. Oh, so it's a Kervorkian biopic. Ah, okay. uh, yes, an HBO thing, I seem to recall. Now, McMaster, when you say, and I'm going to make air quotes with my fingers here, a friend of yours is into the Resident Evil movies, is his is his first name begin with the letter J and his last name begin with the letter M and rhyme with McBlaster? No, actually, I, I have not seen any of the Resident Evil movies. Now, that's not what? a judgment. I just haven't... I'm just, I don't know. It just didn't really seem that appealing to me, though I do love Mila Jovovich. Well, apparently uh, not enough if you have not seen her in the Resident... Because the Resident Evil movies, I maintain, are less about Resident Evil and more about Mila Jovovich. Or they're, it should be. Like, yeah, they're, they're basically the Mila Jovovich movies. Uh, well, I should probably watch them then. Because, Master, uh, you, and me, you and me tonight... Midnight when it starts, let's hit a Cineplex. Let's stand in line. We're gonna dress up. We're gonna do like any fans do. McMaster, I need you to dress as Jill Valentine. I will dress right. as Chris Redfield, and let's okay. let's introduce you to the world of Resident Evil cinema. Oh, is Jill Valentine actually? In, is is that who she plays? Is it Jill? No, no. So she plays. Uh, uh, I don't know who she plays. She plays Mila Jovovich. Um, oh. Jill Valentine, I think, is. Uh, Sienna Guillory is the actress's name, and she was not in the last movie until oh. this is very exciting for fans. Uh, she was not in the last movie until the little tiny like button at the end, which they use as a teaser to begin the second movie. Like these things are so episodic; they know when they make one, there's going to be another one. So they end the movie with a kind of a cliffhanger slash teaser that is exactly how the next movie will begin. Uh, so in the last movie, oh no, Jill Valentine. But then at the end, hey, look who's coming! Hey, look who's Jill Valentine. Yep, exactly. So, so McMaster, uh, let me see. Just put like a red gem on your chest. She's got that thing okay. going. Show a fair amount of cleavage and um, tight spandex, I believe, and maybe a couple of pistols in your set. This is a uh, this is actually a pretty exciting month for movies, honestly. Since I think Cabin in the Woods and Avengers comes out this month on Blu-ray. 
And if you haven't seen those, you are a looser. I kind of agree with you. I've seen both of them at this point. Good. And, right. uh, both awesome, awesome, awesome movies. Now, let's, uh, we have some news of the week. There were actually a, f- a fair number of announcements, like people are getting sort of ramped up for the non-summer season, the holiday season. Uh, so for news of the week, McMaster, why don't you go ahead and scoop me? What do you have for your news of the week that I probably picked as well? Uh, I can't imagine you're not picking this. So, Bayonetta 2 being a Wii U exclusive. Yeah, this is not what I picked. Really? So I'll go first because mine is more general. Uh, oh. So, so oh, okay. basically, the Wii U is announced. Uh, mm-hmm. The you know Nintendo has been faffing about. Um, now, McMaster, this Wii U, it's just uh, it's a little touch screen that you connect to your Wii, right? Isn't that how it works? Uh, it might as well be. <laughs> uh, it's you know it's probably it's a little bit less powerful, I believe, than the Xbox 360, um, but it does have. Kind of a ramped up uh, power specs. It can do better 3D. Hold on, um, hold on a minute. Are you telling me this is a whole new system? Oh yeah. No, I think it's just an attachment for the Wii. I, I thought. Oh yeah, it's no, a new it's controller, some... right? It's uh, yeah, it's it is a new controller, and uh, it's really expensive. Basically, uh, <laughs> that's how that works out. And you also yeah. have to unplug your Wii to plug it in. Yeah, so right, to, yeah. Comes with a new comes with a new Wii, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, I mean, might as well, maybe it'll come with an Xbox 360, too. I don't know. Yeah, so well, it was funny, all the confusion about, is this a new system, is it a new controller? I mean, Nintendo really kind of whiffed when it came to the early messaging about this. And now, They haven't done a very good job at all with this actual console, Um well, I think now they're right. They're they're now being much more specific. Today they announced all of the uh, the launch titles, and they have a good lineup of third and first party stuff coming out. They announced the pricing, the release dates in the U.S. and Japan and Europe. Uh, so now it's you know much more on message, much more specifics. Um, and those specifics are basically you get a Wii U, which is a brand new system, and it has the little gimmicky touch screen sort of it's like an ipad and you can hold it up and look through it and crazy stuff like that uh for three hundred dollars you can get the basic system i think it's white uh but for 350 dollars you get the badass i am cool black system i believe right and it has instead of eight gigabytes of storage it has 32 gigabytes of storage and it comes with a game I think the game is Nintendo World, which sounds like the last thing I would ever want to play. I don't well, know what it is. I don't really understand that game because, like, it's either it's either something like where everybody's online or something where you're running around like a theme park, or it's just you're supposed to play, I guess, local with a bunch of people. Because if that's the point, it's it's I don't know. Uh, you're you're not going to get a lot of use out of that in a lot of households. Yeah, we already have our, uh, what was the Wii Sports thing on the island? Um, help me out, McMaster. Oh, God, yeah, that was uh, Wii Sports Resort. Right? Ah, thank you, yes, Wii Sports Resort Plus. There was, I think, even a Plus version yeah. of you, a little extensions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to pay an extra 50 bucks, you get the Wii U version of whatever that is with Nintendo World. Um, the release date, November 18th, which... Nintendo, hey. Nintendo loves to come out on Sundays. This is the Sunday before Black Friday. Yeah. So they just made it under the wire for for uh, that that shopping weekend. Uh, like I said, plenty of third and first party launch titles. One of which is McMaster's news of the week, which also <laughs> caught my eye. So McMaster, what do you got for us? Yeah. So far, we're uh, to understand that Bayonetta Two is a Wii U exclusive. 
Now, why would anyone care about a sequel to a, a God of War clone that nobody bought? Because it's like probably the most awesome shooter kind of kung fu game like Devil May Cry that's out there. I think that's a fair answer. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and also, I just love that character. I mean, yeah. I love the balance between, like, it, she's not just cheesecake. There's certainly that element there. But just as a cool female protagonist, I I love that Sarah Palin look. I mean, not that I have sure. any predilection in that direction. I think it's universal. Everybody can appreciate that. Uh, and I, I just love the nonsense story stuff. I mean, it was just so yeah. weird, random Japanese platinum games stuff, uh, and I, uh, yeah, I, I'm just excited, silly about a new Bayonetta. Because another thing, McMaster, it seemed like for all intents and purposes, Bayonetta was dead. Like that was going to be sure. a one-off game. We were never going to see anything else. Uh, so that that was the big news today, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, and the thing that, like, uh, you know, I'm excited that there's another Bayonetta. Don't get me wrong, uh, that's like great. Uh, but this is just a Wii U exclusive. That was kind of a bummer to me. Oh, uh, well. I will say, yeah, so, McMaster, on how excited are you about the Wii U on a scale of 7 to 9? Uh, oh, we're using the 7 to 9. Um, honestly, and this, this has nothing to do with the company that's putting it out because I'm a huge DS and 3DS fan, but I just I'm not uh, not at all. I, I'm more in the seven category. Okay, okay so uh, I would go ahead and rate the release of the Wii U. I would give it a six on the seven to nine scale. Oh. How, however, with the Bayonetta two announcement, I'm going to give it a seven. There you go. See, see, you're not like actually loathing it right now. <laughs> see, that's the whole. Uh, they they moved up one notch in my book as well. Uh, I you know, and it's like the price thing is a killer. Uh, I mean, hopefully that comes with a controller, the big controller, right? You get one. You get one. You do not get two controllers. Okay. You get one controller for the three. I don't honestly think you can use two controllers with it. No, I don't think they're they're doing it. Like for instance, the Call of Duty, I like they're doing some stuff where you do two player, where one person's on the TV, another person's on the right. controller. Uh, well, one's using a Wiimote and the other's using the new controller, right? Yeah. Which, which has its own screen. Yeah. So uh, I don't think they're wanting it to be the kind of thing where where you have to buy extra Wiimotes because the controllers themselves, I think they're crazy expensive. Like buying one of those is another eighty bucks or something. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's ridiculous. So I don't think you're expected to have two of those. Uh, and I will say. Um, I was at PAX a couple of weeks ago, and they had uh, demos of Wii U games up and running, and they were playable. And I was really struck by how good it looks. I mean, it's not... It's 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 finally latest gen quality. You know, I've been used to playing yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles and, and stuff on the Wii, and just sort of sucking it up and dealing with the last gen graphics. And it's nice to see they're they're finally catching up. You know, next year when the new PlayStation and 360 come out, they can be uh, eclipsed again. But for now, the yeah. Wii U looks really good. Um, I saw Zombie U, which is Ubisoft's. Uh, zombie killing game, and it looks frankly a little generic, but that's okay. I'm totally into killing zombies. Uh, and you could see a lot of the gimmicks with like sniping. You know, you hold up the little controller and you use it mm -hmm. to aim and you try to get a headshot. And that looks cool at first, but I could see that getting really tedious. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. It looks good, and uh, hopefully someone at some point will cash in on the gimmick uh, and make it work well. 
But yeah, short of a getting to play a new Bayonetta, I'm very much on the seven end of the seven to nine scale of excitement about this. See, you know, I have this theory that this is all because of Apple. And I, yes. I, th- I think that pretty soon we're going to see Apple actually come out with something a lot more dedicated to just gaming on a television. And I'm going to guarantee you that you could be able to use your iPhones and your iPad to control it. And I think this is just something that's targeted that way, honestly. Master, where can I buy one of those right now? Where can I pre-order? The closest thing you're going to get is an Apple TV, because you can do AirPlay from your iPad to it. Now you have a slight delay on it, so it makes playing the game on the television itself not that great. Uh, it's good for uh, displaying stuff, and also uh, Macs can now do that too across Apple TV. The thing is, historically, Apple has cared so little about gaming. That's just not their bag. It seems to be something that they will brook. You know, they'll let it happen. But I don't see Apple supporting that. It's going to take a a definite change of heart somewhere in the upper echelons of Apple before we see that, which we might. I I hope you're right. Well, I think that one thing that happened is Steve Jobs passed away. Uh, Oh, too soon, McMaster. Yeah, well. And, uh, like, without Steve Jobs around, there, there might be a change of heart. Now we can have fun. Yeah, now we can have fun. I think uh, I think a lot of people are finally realizing there's a lot of money to be made in uh, in gaming, especially uh, freaking you know um, casual gaming. Angry Angry Birds can't wait to play Angry Birds on my TV on an Apple console. Yeah, I mean, really, I think that you're going to see something like the Apple TV, uh, which is like a hundred dollar set top box, and it's just going to have better latency. And until then, we can play Bayonetta 2 on the Wii U starting uh, November. Actually, so that's another thing is I don't think a launch date was announced for Bayonetta 2. I don't know that it is a uh, launch. Like, I don't know that it will be available on November 18th. I would think if that was the case, we would know. They didn't say that. So it looks like Bayonetta 2 is farther down, further down the road than the launch of the Wii U. Oh, yeah, it would have to be. I mean, they didn't really say much about it at all from what I understand. Um, but uh, it is nice to hear. Uh, All right, so there's our news of the week. Uh, Let's go to some games of the week. Uh, McMaster, I understand you you claim, and I'm not sure I believe this, you claim to have a game of the week other than Guild Wars 2. Yes, because I don't want to get lynched. Um, I think maybe we went a little Guild Wars 2 over the top there uh, solely, but in our defense, it's an awesome game. but yes, uh, there's a couple of games I've been playing. I've been playing Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, and I've also been playing Faster Than Light, which is what I uh, choose for my game of the week this week. Wait a minute. Hold on. What's the Counter-Strike game? <clears throat> Global... Is it Offensive? I thought it was is Operations. It... Global Operations? Is it, is it Global Operations? <laughs> Damn it. I don't know. I've been calling it that. Uh, we should probably find out because we are professional podcasters. Uh, Counter Strike Go is all I know. It's like Counter Strike Global Offensive. Oh. Global Offensive. Global Offensive. Yes. Ha. Who's on? <laughs> so the terrorists are like on an offensive globally. Oh yeah, they're pissed. Okay. Um, Global Offensive. That's... All right. Well, like, oh, you know what? Wasn't there a game called Global Operations? Yes. Okay, there, hence my confusion. I'm not a complete idiot. I'm only 50% of, of an yeah, idiot. Yeah, only half the time. Right. <laughs> so you're um, not picking Counter-Strike Global of, uh, Offensive Operations as your game I, of the week. Oh, I, I can. I just figured that Faster Than Light would probably be a bit more up your alley if you haven't seen that yet. Um, 
So real quick, I just want to point out, uh, I have a, a LAN group at my at my house every Thursday night, and we play, uh, you know, board games or RTSs or whatnot, and a lot of times we'll play shooters. Uh, we love co-op shooters because some of us are awful, so if we play something like Payday the Heist, the guys who aren't awful can a lot of times carry a little bit of the weight for the guys who are awful. So last week, I tried to dump everyone uh, into a six-player match of Team Fortress 2, Man vs. Machine. Oh. It, it was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> I imagine it would be. I mean, <laughs> Josh Beiser and I played a lot of Team Fortress 2, and we got railed the first few times we tried it. <laughs> and it, it's it's very difficult. And furthermore, it does this weird thing where uh, I just set the computers up and told everyone, okay, pick a class and jump in. A lot of them weren't familiar with Team Fortress 2, but it's a fairly friendly game in that the classes each only have one or two weapons, um, there's not a whole lot of different things you can do. You just figure out what your weapon does, and you do that. Uh, however, what you apparently can't do when you host a server, and I couldn't figure out a way, is people would get in as the scout, for instance. They'd say, yeah, I want to run fast and have a shotgun. And then they would repeatedly die, you know, because the scouts are glass oh, cannons. Sure. So then they would say, okay, I don't want to be a scout anymore. How can I be something else? As near as I can tell, there's no, there's no way to change your class. Uh, we uh, banged around on a comma. bunch of different screens. Comma. Yeah. Comma changes your class. <laughs> yes. Where does it say that, McMaster? I in my brain, I guess. I don't know. That's that's. I, I've played a lot of Team Fortress too. Uh, I guess maybe in the controls. <sighs> All right, fine. <laughs> I think period is change team, and I think comma is change class, if I remember correctly. Well, you know what? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, but what I was then going to say is, I I then booted up a global op. Offensive operation. Let's just call it that. Yeah, Counter Strike Go. I then booted that up, and that is just way friendlier. Um, the the, the way the man versus machine. Yeah, good God. Well, in, in global offensive operations, the way that the the bots work, in that they'll just fill out the, the untaken mm -hmm. spots on the team. You can usually all cluster on one team and play against bots. When you die. You can jump into a bot and play that. Uh, I, I just was really delighted that even though Counter-Strike is such an old game, there's a reason it's so popular, and that's kind of clear, just jumping back into global offensive operations, which is oh, yeah. just sort of the latest update of that same great, sleek, well-established gameplay. Uh, you know, and I, I started playing the original Counter-Strike like a long time ago, uh, the like version I think point .3, and uh, I didn't play much, then I came back at point .6 and played all the way up through right before they released Source. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a testament to how long of a time period that is, that, that these maps have been played over and over again, millions of times at this point, and uh, a lot of them just work. You know, it's a, it's a relatively elegant design. Yeah, and the, and the maps, by the way, are, for all intents and purposes, they're just corridors with a couple of choices, yeah. and they disguise that well. But, you you know, you play through, it's built to be played on the, the hardcore mode. I think you play to, to best out of 50 matches. On the casual, it's something like best out of 10. But the idea is you're supposed to just play the same map, like, over and over and over and over again in these short, sharp bursts right. uh, that, that move quickly. Uh, and that works. You know, there's a, there's a place for that kind of thing. And I was delighted to discover that it, it holds up they they friendly it up a lot too i think and go now how so like what as someone who hasn't played the the unfriendly or the hardcore counter-strike in a long time what are the friendly making things that they've done in global offensive world operations 
All right, you have what? You have hardcore, but you have one before that's like casual. Right, right. right something that in that mode specifically. There's no friendly fire. Right, and you, you start off with you armor. You don't have to buy armor, right? Right, and that's a huge deal. You start off with a. Uh, I think you actually get your ammo refilled every round, uh, your armor and everything like that. So it's like you. You don't have to go through, you know, I mean, I actually used to have just the key sequence memorized because you eventually get to that point where you have to buy, oh, armor, or Kevlar plus helmet and then, you know, buy your weapons plus all, like, fill the entire ammo plus whatever grenades you want and stuff like that. Um, so it, it takes a lot of that out of it and it just kind of makes the game flow a lot faster, I think, for newer people. And you also, I guess, get to the more, the bigger, more gratifying guns more quickly. When you're yes. playing on hardcore and you're not really good, you're going to be stuck plinking away with the pistol for a while, I guess. Well, right, you know, and that's that's the big deal, you know. Well, I mean, honestly, uh, what you should do at that point if is follow people around way in the background, and one of them dies, they happen to drop a gun. <laughs> you just you take that one, and then you just move on up from there. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a very uh, it's a very well designed game, and it's. They've changed a lot of it to make it a touch more forgiving and, at the same time, unforgiving. It's kind of strange. But they, the older Counter-Strike used to be able to just, like, constantly jump while firing. Uh, that was, like, one of the big deals. And so, yeah, you really can't hit anything while jumping. For, or at least I can't in global offensive. So, who knows? so they just made it where jumping affects your accuracy more? Yeah, and stuff okay. like that. As you, it yeah. should, yeah. Yeah, well, bunny hopping started in Counter-Strike. I mean, like, super bunny hopping did. They had to fix the hell out of that. Um, so, God, have mercy. Uh, but, no, uh, my game of the week is one that I backed on Kickstarter. And uh, it's called Faster Than Light. And it's a roguelike, sort of roguelike, uh, where it generates a random uh, universe for you to traverse. And each stop on that... Um, on your trip has a, a, a random event or something like that. So, like, you'll be going through the universe. You'll hit one of these little uh, a star as you're navigating, and you have a ship, and uh, it'll it'll give you like a, something like, oh, well, these people are being attacked by pirates. Do you intervene? That sort of thing. But um, the basic game plays with you have a ship with a crew, and the ship has different parts. So you have like a, uh, a camera system, so you can view the ship. You have the oxygen um, creation center or whatever. They have the weapon room, the, the oxygen. O- wait, oxygen creation. Center. The atmosphere control center. Atmosphere control center. Now, McMaster, in a lot of MySpace games, it's called life support. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ox- Is it really the? It's not the oxygen control center. It says O2 on the map. I, I, I got All right. Fine. It is life support. So, okay. Um, and you have these, uh, whichever of your crew you have manning any of these stations, it makes them perform better. So you, you have this crew, and you're going through space, and you get into these battles, and uh, sometimes enemies will teleport onto your ship, and you have to fight them. Sometimes, you know, you'll take a shot, and, you know, part of the ship will catch on fire, and you have to run and, you know, put it out and repair that area of the ship, and you have to power different weapons at different times and stuff. Um, but it's, uh, it's really kind of addicting because it creates an entire you know, random universe for you to just kind of go screw around in. Uh, now, it's super easy to die. It's a roguelike. Um, but it's uh, it's something that just has a lot of uh, replayability for me, and uh, I think it's out on Steam now officially. 
It comes out officially tomorrow. So oh, we, are, we are recording on a Thursday. On it, it releases on Friday, September fourteenth. So uh, shortly after the podcast goes live, it, it will be available on Steam. Have you uh, Have you played it? Yeah, it's not working for me, McMaster, for a couple you of reasons. Like um, well, I don't claim to be really that far enough into it to say anything definitively, but uh, so far I've only unlocked a couple of ships, um, and I'm not really uh, – part of my problem with it is that it it uh, it feels static and repetitive. Now, the staticness, you can't – I can't really blame it for that because of the way it works is you're, you're just looking at a ship, and then another ship appears, and it's on the right side of the screen, and they just – trade shots. It's almost like turn-based combat running in real time. And it's not quite turn-based because it depends on the you know who's manning the weapon and how I guess how much right. power I So you wait for your weapons to regenerate. I just tend to put them on auto fire. Uh, and I kind of feel like uh, and maybe this will change later, but I sort of feel like there's no reason to target anything on the other ship other than its weapons or I, I think you're right there. Or <laughs> that's all I do. Or if it has drones, uh, the drones are a form of weapon they can be. You target its drone control center. Uh, uh, so I, I sort of feel like every encounter feels the same. Uh, and you mentioned these random events, McMaster. It seems to me like the random event is always going to be fight this ship or buy Try this to. Right. <laughs> or, yeah. or, or buy this stuff from the store, and the store has a lot of you, you know a, a lot of the randomness to me is is you know what ship are you going to fight, but also what things are you going to be able to buy from the store. Uh, sure. And maybe what I'm not seeing is there is some weapon variety that will maybe emerge in the store as you unlock new ships. Uh, there are different races; it'll have different special abilities. I've only seen a couple of those. Um, their achievements for each like i love in theory this idea that each ship type has three achievements and once you unlock a couple of those yeah. you get a new variant so they do a good job of giving you stuff to work towards but i just kind of feel like the stuff what you're doing to work towards it they're not disguising the repetitiveness of it and i'm 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 too keenly aware of how static it is so i get that i mean a lot you're right i mean all the all the encounters are basically like try to avoid this ship or engage it as far as combat goes i mean you know every now and then it'll be like a drone or something but it's basically the same thing um but i don't know i, I just keep finding myself drawn to it for some reason I guess. It, it also it feels a little erratic <laughs> to me it feels a little erratic to me in that you can get in those little one those little exchanges where you're firing at a ship and and I guess it's always one ship versus one ship like you're never fighting more than one do you know? Uh, I think it is one ship versus one. I ship. Yeah, I don't I've know how that would work. Yeah, yeah. So it always feels like it's either two ships trading fire. And that's that's fine, whatever. Or occasionally, and this is where everything kind of falls apart for me. Two little dudes, or however many little dudes, get teleported onto my ship, and then suddenly it's this crazy, frantic, oh, crap, everybody go fight here, and I don't know what to do, and should I be closing doors off and opening, the, the, you know, trying to flush them into space, and oh, God, there's a fire. Like, I feel the crew management is the exact opposite of the rest of the gameplay, uh, where I, it's it's not easy to manage. I'm not clear when I've got one guy firing another guy who's going to win that exchange. It looks like some of the races have different abilities that I'm not clear on like that stuff just feels kind of messy and 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 frantic to me uh, so whenever somebody gets teleported like almost every time I've lost a game it's because somebody teleports onto my ship and I freak out and I don't know what to do and everybody gets shot uh, so I <laughs> I, I like, in theory, a lot of what they're doing. I love the roguelike element of it, but I, I just kind of – I'm not sold on it. I, I need to unlock 
for instance, one of the ships that you unlock, one of the first ones, has a special ability to heal up all your crew with, like, this medi-gel stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so maybe if they add more cool stuff like that down the road, I'll find more variety. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I uh, I know what you mean about the, the variety thing. I, I guess I, I like the, the moving dudes around the ship more now. I will say I, I am kind of trying to work at least on a on a way to like just disable life support of ships, you know, and try to capture them. Wonder if that works. Can you? Well, now what would happen if you capture a ship? Because you don't have fleets, um, you would just destroy the other ship, and presumably your guys come back. That's another thing, McMaster's. I love the idea of trying to board and capture another ship, but as near as I can tell, there's no provision for that in Faster Than Light. I could be wrong, though. Right. I mean, I know you can board them. Right, because that's the thing you can get is a teleporter where yeah. you put your dudes over there on, on their ship. Yeah. Right, right, right. And uh, I haven't really tried. I have one. I just haven't really tried it yet. Um, I'm just thinking about doing that next. Uh, one of the things I really do like about it, though, is the overall meta structure. And because, it, because as you mentioned, it's like a roguelike, the idea is you're playing to get as far as you can and to get a score. And when you die, your score goes on a little high score list. And there is apparently, I haven't seen it, but there's apparently a final boss. The idea is that you go through eight, I guess, sectors. Each sector is composed of uh, a little web of encounters you go through. You go through each of these eight sectors along a little tree structure, and you get to this final boss and you beat him. And I presume then you get even more points. So I like the idea that it's structured as a score, as a high score chase. Uh, I do appreciate. I love that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Wait a minute, McMaster. Yeah, I how, think that's pretty cool. How can we? Why aren't our like if this was on the on the iPhone, our scores would be listed on Game Center and we could compare them against each other. Where can we see our, how much better I'm doing than you in FTL? Are you playing it on Steam? Yeah. No, I got the good old games version. See, yeah, I had like an early build for being a Kickstarter. Uh, backer, and then, like, yeah, they sent me a Steam code, so, I don't know. Does it list your high score? I don't know. Alright, well, like, you know what, I don't think Steam, does Steam have any provision for that kind of high score listing stuff? Actually, yeah, if you go and look at stuff, like, uh, I mean, uh, some of their games do, like, for instance, it keeps stats, like, Left 4 Dead's uh, stats, Team Fortress stats, Counter-Strike, I think. Um, so those like are all that. Valve games. Can any independent person make a game and then have a high score table on Steam? I believe so. I, okay. I can't. I just can't think of one right off the top of my head, like, okay. uh, without looking. Well, hopefully FTL does that. And, and, by the way, I could have misspoken, so, so you have, it, you did get FTL for Steam, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, they sent me a uh, yeah they sent me a code for that. Okay, so it's on Steam and Good Old Games, and I presume you can get it directly. And do we know the developers are just two guys in? Are, are they in China? Did I just make that up? I don't think they're in China. Okay. One, once again, I'm I have no idea what I'm talking about. So at any rate, it's definitely uh, it's a charming little indie game. It's a, it's ten dollars. That's fairly affordable for for a lot of folks. Uh, it does some really cute stuff, but I'm just not sure how much it'll work for me in the long term. Um, and McMaster, you, you're you're considerably rosier about uh, how how it's going to hold up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think uh, I think it's a really really cool idea, and hopefully it'll just get better. So one of the things you can do is, of course, you can name your ship. You can also name your crew members. So McMaster, I'm going to name one of my crew members uh, McMaster, and his job is whenever we get boarded, is to stand there and take fire from the enemy attackers until I figure out what to do. No, that sounds that sounds about like my job anyway. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs>
I excel right. at that. So uh, that, that was going to be my game of the week, but instead I'm going to pick, and I don't know, Sylvester, I don't know if you're ever like just sitting in your living room and without really understanding why, like sometimes you're in your house and you'll end up like you're in the kitchen and you're like, why did I come in here? <laughs> what was I doing to come into the kitchen for? Mm. I do that sometimes with my Xbox 360 where I suddenly find myself sitting there playing a game and I think, what? Wait a minute. How did? Why am I playing this? Why did I put this disc in the drive? And why am I now doing this? This happened to me recently. Uh, and I think what the answer to this? Wait, why am I playing this game? Is it's very comfort food for me. Uh, I ended up playing a fair bit of Dead Rising Two off the record, <laughs> which just has that excellent sandbox mode where it just tracks how many zombies you've killed. You know, none of the story-based time limit is there. And as you kill, rack up kills against zombies, it unlocks scoring challenges. Yeah. Uh, and the scoring challenges, you get a bronze, a silver, a gold medal, and you earn money for that. And the money you can use to buy stuff, but it also applies to your character if you're doing the single-player game. So I just found myself just running around that familiar old place, uh, just putting together weapons and racking up kills and uh, just just passing time, uh, whacking zombies. And I have no idea how I came to that. I'm trying to think what possessed me to do that. Uh, but at any rate, that, that'll be my game of the week. Cause I, I just, uh, as much as I like uh, Dead Island, which has a much more meaningful combat system and there's more of a survival horror mechanic going on there, uh, I just love the, the, the goofy, obstacle-free silliness of mowing down zombies in Dead Rising 2, and I like the sandbox mode in Off the Record. And I will say, by golly, it is so nice to be playing Frank West instead of yeah. Chuck Green. All right. I mean, you know, nothing really against Chuck, but, I mean, yeah. He hasn't covered Wars. He hasn't, he hasn't covered Wars. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't care for Chuck. Uh, now, have you have you seen, by the way, in the story mode, McMaster, what they do with Chuck Green? Because you run into him, you meet him as Frank West. I don't. Uh, didn't they turn him into a zombie or something? Mm, it's better than that. So, uh, if you play the story mode, so Capcom loves to just re-release content and let you yes. buy stuff that you've already played. So they did this kind of with uh, Dead Rising Two off the record, uh, except this time you're Frank West, and you can do the same. S- kind of story mode, but they mix up the encounters. You meet different people, the bosses are a little different, and because you're a new protagonist in Off the Record, you meet the original protagonist from Dead Rising 2, Chuck Green, and that that was one of my favorite encounters. I, I love what they do with that. I don't want to spoil anything, but basically, uh, if you think that Chuck Green is kind of a, a douche, uh, you will definitely enjoy his appearance in Dead Rising 2, Off the Record. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I played that game. <clears throat> it, it holds up just as far as, like, a zombie mowing zombies down. And, and nobody has done, like, what is it? There have been some, uh, I think, like, tech demo videos for the new Hitman game where they show Agent 47 at this big Mardi Gras, and he's just full of people, like a huge crowd. It's amazing, like, the number of people on screen. And I still feel like that's this technology that we can get we can get a lot more out of you know even something like assassin's creed where they put a lot of pedestrians there and they're in your way it's not just this jam-packed crowd you know i remember being in in new orleans for not a mardi gras but a new year's eve and just that crush of people you know everybody around and you're trying to walk somewhere and and it's really cool when 
to see that in a game and to see these these tech demos for the new Hitman game is really exciting. It seems like they're going for that. And Dead Rising 2 comes close, and it's the only game, really, that does that with zombies, just having so many of them on screen at once. Uh, and as much, like I said, as much as I like Dead Island, uh, I just feel that's such an important part of zombie mythology, just oh, cramming yeah. as many of them in there as you can. That, that press of flesh uh, is such an important part of, of the zombie thing. So. Oh, yeah, no, that's Dead Rising does the best. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> And hey, Lost Planet three, you know. So, what do they have a bunch of zombies? I hope no. I, I don't think. <laughs> I, I was just thinking of Capcom games that uh, that involve uh, probably having something to do with covering wars. Ah, because you could be right, right. I, you can you can play Frank West in Lost Planet too. Exactly. Yeah, you can get that title too, or whatever. Yep, I've uh-huh. covered wars. It, only if you have uh, Dead Rising, I think save games though. Well, who wouldn't have that? Come well, on. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, so those are our games of the week now. Uh, we have, I, I don't think we can avoid this, McMaster, but uh, I'm wondering if anybody listening, and maybe maybe you could help me out, McMaster, does anybody listening to this podcast have any tips for how to quit playing Guild Wars 2? Oh, God. I wish I did. I actually have a couple. I The next, maybe, here are a couple of things that might help. Uh, Borderlands 2 and Torchlight yeah. 2. <laughs> I just don't think they're going to help enough for me. It is pretty dire. So let's briefly talk a little Guild Wars 2, because we can't really avoid it. Uh, so I have I, I just recently discovered um, these, as you play, you unlock skills. Uh, and once you've gotten a certain number from, from one tier, you can start buying the better ones from the next tier. So I got to level 60, out of the level cap is 80, so I'm basically, you know, three quarters of the way to the level cap, and just discovered these awesome, super expensive uber skills that you get that far into the game, that I had no idea they were there. I don't know if I didn't see them, or if they didn't show up, but now... With my level 60 character, I'm chasing these hugely expensive skills that I really want to get. I mean, that right now is the carrot that's in front of me. It's a ways out, uh, but that's what I've been chasing lately. McMaster, what are you what are you chasing down? What do you want with your character? Jeez, I don't know. I see. I'm 66 now. And I, I'm 66 now. <laughs> that's how you sound, McMaster. That's it, it, it was yeah. It's my second character too. So that should. It's my second character. <laughs> My alt, my alt is level 66. My main is already 80. No, my main's only 23. <laughs> I guess he's my alt now. No, you just admitted your main is 23. You're all, you're a level 23 character in Guild Wars 2. Nice, McMaster. Oh, oh undone. Oh, so what is it with your main character? What's, uh, what's the carrot that's keeping you playing? Well, I'm trying to get through a lot of the story missions, which I'm really stuck on one I'm on right now, um, as well as I like all the exploration stuff. But the dungeons, I think, is really what's doing it for me right now. That's like my, my big pull. Though, I will say I do have a 30-point skill. Have, have, do you have one now? Well, I I would I had just bought a, an expensive 10-point skill. You know, I had like, like 16 points that I'd been saving up, and I was just looking through, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what else I'm going to do with these points. I'm going to buy this 10-point skill, and then bought that, and only then realized, oh, wait, there's 30s. Now, I don't know if I just unlocked it, or if, like I said, if I hadn't seen it, but only after I spent 10 points did I realize there are 30-point skills there. So, no, I do not have one, uh, and I'm nowhere near having one. Uh, so, yeah, like, the way, you know, you have your 
your special skill, your your number six skill, uh, which I think is class. Uh, I think well, they're all class specific, but I think that one's the heal skill usually, and it has like multiples of the heal. Uh, for the thief, it's uh, Wait, vanish. When you say multiple, are you, are you talking about like your ult, your ultimate? I don't know the League of Legends term, but you you mean that last skill on the bar there? No, no, the number six slot. So the first one on the second row is usually the healing. Uh, I've, I've rebound my keys, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, but, but where your healing slot goes, those are the healing skills, right? Right, right. and then to the right of it is uh, what? Because you, you're there are three, and then right. that's your basic, your like your advanced skills, and you have to buy like five one point ones, five three point ones, and then you can get to the six point ones. Yeah, and then that next level opens up at level thirty, and it's ten points for all of those until you buy two ten point skills, and then it lets you go to the thirty point skills. Right, which is what I explained before, and that's how. Oh. And, and maybe I didn't, I hadn't unlocked enough of the ten pointers to show the thirties. Uh, right, right. So but, yeah. Well, what they do with the thirty pointers, which I didn't realize until I was talking to some of the folks in the guild, is you have two thirty point skills for every character. One based on your choice of race, the other based on your choice of class. Uh, so you, you'll get, you know, as a char engineer, that's my dude, his race is char, and he unlocks a, some kind of crazy bazooka. Don't know what it does, I want to find out as a char, and as an engineer, he unlocks a deployable mortar. Now, I don't know if this is like something you would use as a siege weapon in the world v. world, where you're attacking castles. I don't know if it's just something to shoot regular mobs in the world. Like, I don't know exactly how it works, but I want it, is all I know. Yeah. Uh- I think it works on both, actually. I've seen arrow carts in PvE, um, so uh, in theory, I, I would think you could use it in either. Okay. Uh, I, well, I like the sound of that. So, and here, <laughs> so, so here's the tough decision, and Guild Wars loves to do this to you. I don't know which one I'm going to get. You know, I'll get the 30 points, and I'll buy one, and then I'm just going to need another 30 points to get the other one. So, And to let folks know, these, these skill points, you can run around the world and gather them if you want. They're almost like collectibles, like coins in a Mario game or something. You can do them that way. Or every time you go up a level, you get a skill point. And we even found out when you hit the level max, you can still fill up your experience point bar, right. and each time it fills up, you get another skill point. So skill points are this open-ended resource that you can also tie into their uh, resource system. Like, in, you can use skill points to basically make money with crafting. Like, they, right. it, they have just made it this open-ended thing you earn, and you there's a bazillion different ways you can spend it. Uh, and it's I, I consider this, and I think, holy cats, I am never going to stop playing Guild Wars 2. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, that's, that's really what gets me. Um, that and just, like, all the variety in the dungeons. Good Lord. Those dungeons are great, and it's so gratifying. Were you? you were yeah, we just the yeah, we, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just it, it's so and it's so gratifying to, to finally get through one of those. And we did one of them, McMaster, in the Explorer mode. You were there for Codicus Manor, right? Oh yeah, I've done two two of those. Oh right, right. That's right. You had already even done it once. Uh, and the thing is, uh, I was sold eventually initially on doing the dungeons with this idea of you get badges for redoing them, and then each dungeon has a merchant where you can go buy special stuff from doing that dungeon. I went through and was looking at that special stuff because at first I was like, well, I'm going to want to do all these dungeons to get these badges to buy this special stuff. I went through and looked at the special stuff. Don't really care about that, but I'm still digging they're, dungeons as they're a crafting ingredients, right? What I saw, I think I was looking at Cauticus Manor, is they were level-specific gear, which seems like an odd thing to spend 
that rare a resource on like you could pick from for level 45 for level 60 for level 75 like you could pick a range of levels to buy stuff and it's progressively more expensive and i don't think it's cosmetic i think it's actual gear that you would wear um well this is a okay so i started looking up the the runes of or marks of beetleton or whatever they're called and I found crafting these are, recipes. These are the badges. Yeah, these are the badges you right. get for doing that particular dungeon, right? Where it's like if you have 250 of them, you can create this thing called a gift of entertainment. I want that. What does that do? Give me the entertain that. Entertain me, McMaster. What does it do? Well, it's like that's how you craft legendary weapons. You have to have – I think if you have like – God, what was it? It was armor smithing and I want to say huntsman. You can craft a legendary pistol by getting 250 of those and 250 of something else and like crafting all this crazy stuff. I see. So it's like you get these super awesome weapons, but they're like really hard to get. Well, it's a good thing I didn't waste my how few badges I have on some level forty five rifle. Then good. Oh yeah, good absolutely. Know. So there's a whole there's a whole when you boot up the game and you're looking at your character select screen. There's a little panel that you're filling in as you do like achievements. And there's one little mark. There's like a medal for each of the storyline kind of choices. Uh, there's something for the player versus player arena stuff. There's something for world versus world. There's a whole metal space that's just been white and empty for me uh for equipping a legendary weapon yeah so, so i mean that, that's how it goes it, it's like these recipes are crazy it's like you have to have a a gift of entertainment which like i said is like 250 of those it, also you can make the other ones the gift of music you can make from the Beatleton ones uh but there's all these like gifts of steel and stuff like that and they all come from different dungeons and and basically you have to get these professions up to 400 each like you're your huntsman and your weapons or your armor smithing, and then you'll be able to craft all of this stuff together to make a legendary item. So that's one of the long-term, like mm-hmm. quote, quote unquote, end-game uh, chases that you're doing is to get your legendary weapon. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm trying to get the pistols, so that's why I've been saving mine up. I've got, God, what do I got? Fifty of those now, so I need quite a few more. Uh, I recently. Uh, have been playing with a new build with my engineer like hitting level 60 one of the things you do is you unlock the last uh, so kind of like in world of warcraft there's a talent tree where you've got your skills that's one thing but then you can basically tweak how those skills work on what's called a talent tree and the equivalent of that in guild wars is uh is traits uh and at level i think 10 40 and 60 you mm-hmm. unlock new sections of this trait tree for for lack of a better word for it uh, right. so so having hit level 60 uh, and and each at each of those thresholds you can pick from menus of all these different crazy things you can do so i have just now discovered and have been playing with a build for my engineer which i call the uh, grenade terror build <laughs> And what it does is it's crazy that it lets me do this, but I'm certainly going to avail myself of the option. Uh, I can, you know, I, I can equip a grenade kit, and he just chucks grenades around. Some of them are regular explosives. Some have shrapnel that inflict bleed. Some inflict stun. They're like uh, flashbangs. Uh, there's like a freeze grenade. There's a poison grenade. So there are all these options for grenades, and you can just spam them into crowds. It's great in some of the story missions. And it's great in World v. World where you're fighting swarms of dudes. So with the traits, I now have grenades that fly farther and add an extra grenade into each volley. Uh, I've reduced the cooldown time so I can use my special grenades uh, more frequently. And furthermore, and this is crazy, and I don't understand how they've done this, 
I now make I can make it where my grenades will heal my allies. Awesome. That's totally awesome. So McMaster, get in there, mix it up. I'll be blowing people up around you and healing you simultaneously. Out of just sheer curiosity, how much damage do you do per strike with those? Because I, I I don't know how to turn on, so I can check like everybody around me. Uh, I, it totally depends. Like my my quickly refreshing grenade. Uh, you know what? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but, uh, so the the one that I can that I'm frequently using, waiting for the cooldowns for the other ones, doesn't do nearly as much damage. It doesn't have as big a radius. But the shrapnel one does a lot of damage. It it does damage. It's a bleed over time thing. It's a damage mm-hmm. over time with the bleed. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't know the numbers. I, I have been pushing my stat to do more damage, to sit, play sort of a more glass cannon build. Like, like basically the idea is nobody's going to ever reach me. I'm going to stand far back, but I'm going to do sure. a lot of damage. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. What, now, why do you ask? What? Oh, no, I was just trying to, because I use pistol and um, dagger for my main weapon set, and it's like... I do something like 180, 180, then 400, like real yeah. fast, and like... Fast succession. I'm just trying to figure out, like, you know, gauge. That's a a very quaint amount of damage, McMaster. That's adorable. Oh, well, that's like, yeah, that's like, that's not, that's not crits, though. Uh, The flamethrower has a cool thing where within, I think it's maybe three seconds, the idea is that it hits ten times. It's doing a steady stream of attacks. The idea is you you channel the flames onto something, and then over three seconds, it basically does ten attacks, each of which increases the amount of damage. So it's awesome to to let loose that flamethrower on someone and then watch those numbers roll up. It's like like some sort of a crazy scoring system. Uh, And watch them climb higher. A few of them will be criticals. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, and with my character though, it's like yeah, most of my damage comes from crits because I, I have my uh, my crit turn. I have like a thirty five percent crit chance or something like that. So there's a whole stat for that. By the way, that's something that I really appreciate how they streamlined in Guild Wars is. It reminds me a bit of Diablo 3. Every stat is useful for pretty much every character, depending on how you want to tweak it. You've got your power, which determines attack damage. Your precision, which determines the frequency and effectiveness of critical hits. Your toughness, which is your armor. And your vitality, which is your hit points. And there's basically no class that can't, in some way or another, use one of those four things. And so you sort of decide which of those are are you pushing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for me, it's critical strikes and, you know, so... So as a thief, you're very precise. Precision, yes. Precision and uh, power are my two big ones. Okay, so McMaster, here's another reason I think I'm going to be freaking playing Guild Wars 2 forever. Uh, I I just rolled up an alt, and uh, I have no idea how she works. Like, I've played a, a necromancer now for, I think she's like level 13, which is still very early, and I don't I don't understand the mechanic. I've just been sort of charging ahead, messing around with different skills. I still am not clear on what exactly a necromancer is supposed to do, and I am eager to learn. I'm eager to figure it out, um, but I just, I'm just i just completely blown away, and I knew this a bit from the beta. I'm completely blown away by how different the characters are from each other. They're very uh, different. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And so jumping into this necromancer, and I don't, I don't know what she... She's got this weird thing where she has her health, but then she has a different stat called life force which if she's low on health she can go into this like nether dimensional mode where she's using her life force to do a whole separate type of attacks and then this is something the engineer doesn't have that you've been dealing with 
having two different sets of weapons that you can toggle yeah. between, which completely swaps out which five attacks you've got. Like, that stuff is crazy. The engineer can do that, but he just equips one kit, and he sort of sticks with that kit. He can't change it during combat. Uh, right. So just jumping into a, a new character and trying to figure out how it works, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'm ever going to stop playing McMaster. Yeah, me either. At this rate, I mean, I'm I'm trying to get to, like, the level uh, 70 dungeon is my next thing. And then there's, like, God, there's, like, three yeah, between 70 and 80. Oh, there are? I didn't know that, because I saw all of those merchants lined up in Lion's Arch, and I knew that there was one for each dungeon. And here I am at level 60, and I, I can basically, you know, I, I, three of the merchants, I know what they do, and the other, what are they, six, however many. I'm like, wait a minute, when do all those guys come in? So there's there's a bunch of dungeons clustered between 70 and 80? Yeah, basically what happens is you have one every 10 starting at 30, so 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, you have five there. And then I think it's like... It's either 74 and 76 or 76 and 78 or something like that, and then 80. So that's uh, that kind of space them out there at the end. Wow, holy cats. All right. Uh, yeah, so we've only done half of the dungeons. And, and what's more, the dungeons you do in story mode and then in explore mode, it seems like the structure is in explore mode. There are three variations on each dungeon that give you completely different encounters. Uh, yeah, and that's really neat. Like the Codicus Manor one is... Uh, They've been great so far. Yeah, I quite like that Dredge story mode. Like I, I, I like partly because we had a really good group. Uh, we were always able to figure out the more puzzly encounters. Um, I can see some of those. Some of these dungeons, McMaster. Imagine the uh, the sheer hell of going through one of those with a pickup group that is not communicating, where you know someone's going to get frustrated and drop because they're not trying to figure out the the you know the solution to an encounter. Uh, I just couldn't imagine doing some of these dungeons with just random people. Yeah. No, yeah, no, no, especially not the first few times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, mm. um, and we had a hell of a world versus world too. Oh, good lord, that whole thing. Yeah, that was that was grand. So if you're listening and you want to join us in Guild Wars 2, be sure to join us on Tuesday nights. We've been doing some regular World v. World, and last Tuesday was was absolutely epic. I mean, you know what, McCaster? I realized only after I, I sort of quit playing, I sat there for, this is weird, I almost can never do this. I sat there for six freaking hours. Me too. Playing yeah, World no. v. World. I normally will play something for like a couple hours, and I'll get up and, you know, like go outside or go on a shopping run or make dinner or watch a little TV or something. I, I, I never sit there and do one thing for six hours, much less one type of activity in an MMO. No, yeah, it absolutely, you know, boggled the mind with me too. Like, I, I, I never do that either. Like, I, I'll play a lot, but I play in bursts. You know, I like to do like an hour or two here, but good God. It was just so crazy, the back and forth. And crazy, though, but you could sort of see, like, it was manageable. Like, it, it it always felt like, okay, we need to get together as a group and push at this. Okay, fall back. Um, like, there there was, it, it really did feel like this epic battle. Uh, yeah, I felt pretty bad because, like, when I, when I came, <laughs> when I came in and took over, it's like, we just got crushed, like, the first two things I tried to do. <laughs> and, and so, by like, the way... Oh. <laughs> Here's McMaster. When McMaster is is the general, when he is put in charge of, and, and McMaster, you're kind of making the strategic choices. Here's how McMaster disseminates orders during a battle. Here we go. Here we go. Here's my impression of you, McMaster. <clears throat> well, we could go to Azurius Pass, or 
we could go take the supply camp, or we could sit and defend this point. <laughs> That's my impression of you giving orders. You basically list three options and wait for someone to pick one of them. Well, I eventually pick one <laughs> if no one says anything. But uh... McMaster, General General MacArthur did not win World War II by submitting a multiple-choice quiz to his troops. Well, no, I, I started taking over eventually. <laughs> it's just like, it kind of, God, at first we were just like everywhere we went, we were boxed in. It was just kind of a time thing because uh, both of them were hitting us pretty hard. Um, and then after they started focusing on each other, that's when we really started to tear everything up. I mean, I'm very, I'm most proud of Stone Miss Keep or Castle. Or right. I was, I was just making fun of you for being uh, a, a very, Aww. you were a very democratic military leader. Well, it's like I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the map and it's like, you know, we could go there. And I don't know if it would work. You know, but you don't want to go to the other places because last time we went there, we just got annihilated. But that did turn around. Azulius. Uh, McMaster, I find that a lot of times uh, online leadership involves just pointing people somewhere, and even if it's the wrong place to go, telling them to go there. That's probably a good point. <laughs> I, I once, uh, there was a similar uh, sort of an open world view world. It was called Battlegrounds in Lord of the Rings Online, where you log in and you either use your character from the main game to represent, you could either use your character to represent the free peoples, or you can have a monster character to represent the evil monsters. And uh, when the game first came out, we had a, a thriving guild. And at one point, I was like, okay, everybody in the guild, let's try the Battleground stuff. So let's bring our characters in. Uh, I know it a little bit. I'll lead us around. Just follow me. Um, and again, going on this this philosophy that it's better to just give people some place to go, even if it's the wrong place. Just make a decisive call. Uh, I had us exploring some area, and we followed a river down to a waterfall. And I was like, okay, everybody jump off this waterfall. And jumped off the waterfall to go to the next place. And the fall was just enough to kill everyone. So I managed to lead off of a waterfall in Lord of the Rings Online, I think no fewer than like 20 people. Like 20 people trusted me enough to think, hey, Tom Chick said let's jump off the waterfall, fell to their deaths uh, and had to like res somewhere. Uh, so, uh, so McMaster, maybe your approach is way better. You know, I'll just I'll lead people off waterfalls if they're not careful. I, uh, yeah, you know, with me, too, it's like I'm constantly trying to scout stuff. That's like a big thing that I've been doing all the time is I have a really big run speed buff that's constant. Ah. Uh, well, I mean, it's like it's not a really big one, but it's bigger than most other people's. Uh, it's like have, 25% constant. I mean, Master, as a guy who has no run speed buff, like I have one thing I can sort of try, but that's something unique. Like I don't have that as a level 60 engineer. I'm constantly just trying to catch up, and it's awesome to see guys like you or the little stubby-legged Asura. I don't know how they do it. But, yeah, those run speed buffs must be huge for recon. Yeah. Warriors. That's that's how the Asura that I think you're specifically referencing, he has a, uh, oh, God, it's like a really long one, but it's like 33% move speed. And, uh, yeah, that's so just that's a, that's a class thing you're saying for warriors. Right. They can do this shout or whatever that does. Okay. Like, right. uh, a move speed buff for, like, everybody around them. Um, but, yeah, mine's like a, a thing that's just uh, consistent 25%. So... I am constantly trying to run around and see what's going on. Um, I I really want to get the hundred gold for the commander thing, but good God! Yeah, that's good. that's going to be a while. Uh, so McMaster, let's see. Next week, maybe I'll be general, and I need you to be my uh, my aide de camp. All right. Uh, I want you to make sure that I have hot water because I I will be shaving. 
uh, and I don't want I want to give this razor blade a fighting chance, uh, and also make sure to keep my uh, my command tent supplied with fresh coffee. Okay, so uh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> but I do like I do like you. You were great about uh, scouting. Like that's that's a really cool part too of the world v world is you can see swords pop up when there's an encounter, and sometimes that's just somebody attacking a pack beast. Sometimes it's a it's a concentrated effort to knock down a wall in a in a place mm-hmm. you control. Uh, but it's hugely important, like when you make those calls, to have somebody reporting on how like, like it just feels like real world command and control. You need eyes on certain things to decide: Do we go over here? Do we go over there? Are we needed at this place? Are we needed at that place? Uh, and yeah, that that so that reconning is awesome. Every now and then, I would see one of our you, you can be in a party with someone. You can see where everybody in your party is. I would see someone like by a supply camp and it would be this you know you could hover over him and see his name and it would be hey you know what do you see up there uh is that a major attack is that a little skirmish is just a couple of guys uh i love that aspect of it uh yeah no that's uh that's what i like to do when i'm usually telling people what to do is i i try to position them in one place and then i try to move around to make sure we're not getting jacked well, I will say, McMaster, it is a testament. If, if you consider that a general is only as good as his last battle, you, McMaster, are a stellar general because we, we managed to take. So in World v. World, there are three worlds for each of the servers that are fighting. And in the center is this place called Eternal Battlegrounds, which is where all three can come in and fight. And at the center of the Eternal Battlegrounds is Stone Mist Castle, which is the most valuable geographical position in the game. And we managed to grab and hold four quarter to three Stone Mist Castle for a while. And that, that was fantastically glorious. And McMaster, it was under your watch. Well played. And I went uh, I went up to the view after we captured it and took some awesome screenshots. I need to I need to send you those. Good. Yeah. For the photo Giants. Out. Yeah, Giants uh, castle with a quarter to three. With our, uh, yeah, that's right. We can. Yeah, that's right. We claim it for our guild, and uh, the little banner shows our logo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so awesome. All right, so uh, there we go. Uh, still hooked on Guild Wars two, but uh, also playing a little faster than light. Some oldies but goodies like Dead Rising two off the record. And uh, McMaster, you are. I think you said you're a seven on the Wii U. I was a six with Bayonetta two. I, I came up to a seven. A strong seven too. It's not just a nah. Sure. Yeah, no, no. If you're going to give something a seven, commit. I agree. Give it a strong one, yeah, no yeah. doubt. All right, McMaster, what will our format be next week, do you think? Uh, let's see. Borderlands 2 and Guild Wars 2. Oh, I mean uh, news <laughs> and uh, news, hey, news of the week and games of the week. And don't forget Torchlight 2. And Torchlight 2, but I don't think that – is that next week? Oh, maybe not. Dead going, I was hoping it was. I thought it was like the 20th, which would, well, it would be one week from now. I thought maybe it isn't though. It could be later. But uh yeah. All right. So uh join us for that. Uh me, Tom Chick, and Jason McMaster will be here next week and we will see everyone then. All right, yes. Goodbye. Uh, McMaster, when, when we play Faster Than Light next, 
I need you to put on a spacesuit and go outside and scrape the space barnacles off the side of the ship. Oh, yeah, they're terrible. I, I, I've had a lot of practice, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm obviously okay. the man. Okay, good. Okay.